0: Welcome back to The Heavy Historian, my name is Hayden and today we're going to be looking at bands from the Middle East. I feel like their personal histories need to get more attention. The mainstream media doesn't really pick up on these bands just because of how westernised metal is as a genre and how news media kind of only really looks at bands from America and Europe. I want to change that. There are a lot of dangers of being a metal musician in the Middle East. Plenty of things that we take for granted can actually land you to death penalty in Islamic countries. I want to highlight these. I want to look at how they differ and relate to Western bands, and why, despite these dangers, they still continue to write metal music. These bands are important, and I want to tell you why. I thought it was only fair now that I introduced the bands that we're going to be talking about today. Right, first band on our list today are called Arsemis. These guys were formed in Iran in 2002. They take their name from an ancient Persian king. I managed to get in contact with the singer Ali Madashahi over email and had a couple of questions him talking about his time growing up in Iran, being a metalhead, uh, his influences, etc. Ali told me that growing up in his youth, he'd get arrested a lot. Quote: Imagine you cannot wear jeans or have long hair. There was a special kind of police that arrested me many times for listening to music outside, on my Walkman or car, end quote. They're all such trivial things, and I can't even think about being arrested for that. He told me that it was very hard to find music. This was especially hard during the revolution of Iran during the late 70s. Ali told me that after the revolution, music was made forbidden. One way Ali got music into Iran was having family members help him. Quote, about finding records. When family members came from other countries, I ordered some records. Also, there were some smugglers who brought CDs to Iran illegally." Quote. I also asked him a bit about his music, why he and the band opted to sing about Persian history. He told me, quote, "...those who do not know their history are doomed to repeat it." Ali also believes that most of the world do not know about Iran's Persian history. They have songs like Persopolis about the largest city in the Persian Empire, and Cyrus the Great, songs about the creator of the first human rights policy. They explain the history of a once great ancient Persian empire. The reason he does this is because he believes that their listeners should be told about Iran's history before Islam. Unfortunately, though, Ali and Artemis had to flee from Iran. In 2020, they had to flee to Turkey to avoid 15 years in jail for just plain metal music. The police falsely identified them as Satanists. He told me that under Shiva law, they were accused of Satanism due to the growls that he does in his music and the use of skull and other iconography that he put on their merchandise. It's absolutely absurd that they were forced to leave their country due to slander and trials without proper evidence. They were convicted over music that they created. Arsonists are not the only band in the Middle East facing such outrageous claims. Let's take a look at al Namrood from Saudi Arabia. <laughs> al Namrood formed in 2008 in Saudi Arabia. They create music influenced by their own eastern sounds. They do this by singing in Arabic and using traditional Arabic instruments like the Oud or the kanun. They are anti-religious to the core. They take their name from the Babylonian ruler, King Nimrod, whose name fittingly translates to non-believer. I also got in contact with Al-Namrut. I managed to speak with their guitarist and bassist, Mephisto, to go over similar questions about their origins and influences. Similar to the struggles of Asimus, they also face social ostracism and the possibility of imprisonment or execution just for playing metal music. The way they tackle this is they stay anonymous to avoid the death penalty. Quote, it's simple. We do it in our private, discreet, soundproof home. Nothing public. We don't even share our photos online or show our identities to anyone, unless we know we can trust a person. End quote. Mephistos told me that due to how anti-Western Saudi Arabia is, it's very hard for them to get a hold of albums. It wasn't really until the internet became widely accessible that they were able to dive into what influenced their sound and now. He did tell me that there were a few record stores when he was younger in Saudi Arabia where they would have back rooms and secretly sell these Western albums to them. This is how they got into bands like Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, and really found their love for heavy metal. Mephisto told me that he and the band are a lot more drawn to the rebellious side of metal. He explains to me that they are writing music that challenges oppression and religious control. For Mephisto and Al-Namrut, metal represents freedom and rebellion. Quote, We think metal was anti-religion to the core. Metal is the window for freedom of expression, freedom from religion, freedom from the system, freedom from any chains. Metal is a strong rebellious tool. End quote. It's a shame because these are freedoms that they don't have due to Shira law. Mephisto tells me that it's very elastic and Shira law can be manipulated heavily. People born under Islamic Shira are controlled by the religion and their society. Mephisto tells me that under Shira law, they have no right to do anything. Everything must be justified by Islam and acknowledged by their society. This really doesn't give them the room to be individuals, express their views, criticise. It's really tough for them. So it's amazing that they're even considering writing this music at all. Last but not least, the next band we'll be looking at today are Lebanese group, Balakyam. Formed in 1995, just five years after the Lebanon Civil War, Balakyam came bursting onto the metal scene. I was lucky enough to get into contact with singer and founder Basim Diabes, who talked a little bit about the band and his inspirations. He told me that before 1995, you could easily listen to rock and metal music. Quote, When I discovered metal music, it was through seeing a rock show on TV, metal in Lebanon, prior to 1995. You could watch it on TV or listen to it on the radio. End quote. It wasn't until after 1995 that there was a witch hunt against the genre promptly banning metal music in Lebanon. You used to be able to buy CDs in uh, Lebanon. Uh, he told me about shops called discotheques, sort of CD and tape shops. You could go there and you could buy most albums legally. He even told me a story of how ba- uh, after the uh, it was made illegal, they used to hide it in places like fridges, places where the police won't think to check for CDs. He also told me that around the early 2000s, he recalls around 2002-2004, you could get CDs smuggled into Lebanon pretty easy. This was due to the land borders having very relaxed bag searches. But much like with Al Namrud, when the internet became more accessible, it was much easier for them to find the music that they felt helped represent their opinions and emotions. Dean told me that he and the band used the music as an outlet for their frustration and anger. Living in Lebanon, their daily lives inspired them to write music. Quote, our music is an outlet for our frustration and anger. I mean, our daily lives are what inspire us. Riots, revolutions, state crimes against citizens, religious bigotry, corruption, political crisis, economic collapse, war tensions. All this keeps the flood of inspiration flowing. End quote. You can even check out their 2019 music video for Destined to Rise, where they use clips from the October 2019 revolution in Lebanon. Much like with Al-Mamrood and Arsimus, they capture their Eastern heritage by being influenced by folklore and Arabic folk music. Basim tells me how they did it intentionally, wanted to include their heritage in their music. It kind of came to them naturally when they began to mature as musicians. They experimented with uh, Eastern scales and Eastern poetry. It really gave a, a unique sound to the genre, something that's become very stagnated in recent years. And much like the previous bands I mentioned, Basim has mentioned that the biggest hurdle, their biggest challenge, comes from how they face detention and discrimination for playing metal music. A common trait you'll find within uh, Middle Eastern countries when trying to write music. Right, now that we've gotten a little bit of context from the bands we'll be talking about, let's look at the dangers these bands face. I asked them why they still continue to write and play music. What's their inspiration? What keeps them going despite the risk of death penalty and imprisonment? What exactly are the dangers of being a metal musician in the Middle East? One thing worth knowing is that reports online about discrimination against metalheads in the Middle East is quite hard to find. This is because the police can convict without evidence, as long as they believe it breaks blasphemy laws. A lot of these countries are affected by Sharia Law. For those that don't know, very quickly, Sharia Laws are a set of religious law and legal system that forms part of Islam. They act as a uh, sort of code of living that affects every aspect of a Muslim's life. If you happen to cause an offence or crime under Shira law, the punishments can be pretty brutal. It can be anywhere from caning to long imprisonment sentences or even death penalties by stoning, for example. This is one of the many reasons that influence these bands. Their hatred for oppressive states and societies that force a sort of controlling religion onto them. Um, their wanting for freedom of expression and artistic freedom to create the music they love. And they use this coupled with their music to criticise the government, Islam and Shira law. I found an interview online by Mephisto from Al Namrud, Um, he says that he and the band take a lot of influence from black metal as it uh, challenges the irrationality of religion. Uh, When I interviewed him he said similar things, he personally finds it contradicting to be both religious and a metal musician. His experience with Islam led him to metal as he finds it to be the best tool for him and his bandmates to express their want for freedom from religion and their freedom of expression and creativity. Looking back at the Vice interview, Mephisto explains that it's easier to be an anti-Christian than to be anti-Islamic. And and that's true. Uh, Those who haven't experienced life under Islam don't understand how controlling it is. The church is passive. These black metal bands from Norway and other Scandinavian countries, they can freely criticise the church. The church is passive. It doesn't have control over the state like Islam does in Saudi Arabia. We have protection under freedom of speech. We can express and criticise anything in our music. You can't do that in Islam. And yet, despite the dangers and despite the restrictions they face when it comes to creativity and freedom of expression, they still continue to write their music. They do this as a way of rebellion, to practice their creativity, their individuality and artistry. Metal is a really powerful tool for those who use it. For these bands in the Middle East, it's an outlet for many of their complicated and frustrating emotions. They write music so that others in their country, just like them, can feel united against the same enemy. Although there are bands in the West that do similar things to the bands in the East, uh, like criticise their governments, criticise religion, um, for example. They can do so without fear of death penalty. They do not write music under oppressive Islamic states. They have the freedom to openly challenge their authority. They don't face harsh imprisonment sentences or have to fear about being found out and given a death penalty. I personally find it very inspiring that these bands, despite the dangers they face, still continue to write the music because they feel the need to express and they feel the need to be individual. Something that we take for granted. So why is it important for these bands to be known? Why am I taking the time to talk about some bands from the Middle East? The history of these bands needs to be known. It must be understood by the metal community that there are bands and musicians who just want to enjoy the music that we enjoy. They have a fear of losing their life if they openly say that they listen to metal music. Things that we take for granted could end the lives of those in the Middle East. What they're doing is not illegal. However, the oppressive religious states that they live in make it so. For example, there are many bands who had to flee their country, such as Arsimist, Confess and Kalten. They had to flee just to achieve some sort of artistic freedom. Apart from the fear of death and societal ostracization, their struggles are no different to what Western bands went through during the 80s under the satanic panic. During the 80s in America, the satanic panic came about because during this time, metal bands were becoming more uh, mainstream and their sort of counterculture in a very traditional, conservative, religious America uh, began to really take form. Uh, This, quote, attack came from those who weren't really happy with a societal change and blamed metal for it. There was a fear that this new and uncensored music contained lyrics that encouraged people to do bad things. Metal fans were depicted as blood-drinking, devil-worshipping cultists, when in reality they were just angsty teenagers who were fed up with their boring mundane lives and wanted to experience something new and felt like they fit in. These same attitudes apply to those in the Middle East, obviously to a more extreme degree, but these metal musicians in the Middle East just want to feel accepted, they want to feel free and individual. I also want to highlight that Eastern and Western metal are almost one of the same. Although these bands from the Middle East are influenced by a lot of mainstream uh, Western metal bands, there are a lot of bands, both old and new, that have been influenced by Eastern music. This is something that Ali from Artemis mentioned in his interview, and I didn't really think about it until then. Not only was there a sense of Indomania with bands from the 60s, such as the Rolling Stones, Beatles, taking influence from the uh, Indian sitar and other Eastern musical traits, but There are a lot of bands in the metal genre today that are clearly influenced by Eastern scales and other sorts of Eastern traits in music. I also spoke to Bassem from Blackium about this. He tells me, quote, A lot of Western musicians, not only in metal, but other genres, are incorporating Oriental music because it sounds exotic, end quote. Have listened to the song Lost in the Static by After the Burial. Opening riff really has an Eastern sound to it. The use of the Figerian dominant scale highlights that the influence from Eastern music. Another band I like to point out with similar influences is the Russian band Shokran, who draw from ancient Egyptian and other Eastern influences. Check out their song Punishment. <laughs> intro is clearly influenced by Arabic and other um, sort of Middle Eastern folklore. So, I hope I was able to shed more light on this area of music history. I just want to express that these bands are important to the metal genre, and their personal histories need recognition. They deserve to grow internationally, and they must continue to gain support in order to overcome the oppression they face when playing their music. I believe that the metal community must explore metal outside of the Western world. Not only are we missing out on some incredible bands, but their personal history is filled with so much danger and repercussions that they must no longer face. We must help these bands by not only educating ourselves on their history, but by supporting their music and giving them the global support that Western bands get. Their struggles must not go unseen, otherwise all they've sacrificed has just gone to waste. If you wish to learn about more of the meta-histories I mentioned, such as Sarah Law or the Satanic Panic, I'll have them listed in the description. I'm also going to put links to the music I use from the bands there as well, so you can check them out. Thank you for listening. I hope to see you again.